1: There comes a time to savor what you know. The moments, the memories, the heroes, the zeros. From all right now to coaching feuds, game-winning kicks, and historic upsets. Saturday night in the Coliseum, California's same-colored private school pros meet for the 103rd and final time. They opened the Pac-12 once more, only to turn around and head east, throwing away 118 years of marriage for trips to Rutgers and Syracuse. It's USC. It's Stanford. It's the end of college football's most underrated rivalry. Raina Troy hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full.
2: Why can't we just win a game?
0: Can I blame Michael Castillo for this?
2: Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race line! Oh! Woohoo!
0: Oh, I can't believe... U.S.D. has hired Lincoln Riley.
1: Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Raid of Troy radio episode 502. Coming to you on Wednesday, September 6th. We're going to look forward to Saturday's clash between the U.S.C. Trojans and the Stanford Cardinal. The final game in the rivalry between the Trojans and the Cardinal, which dates back to 1905. We're going to preview the game, look back at our favorite moments, the iconic moments of the rivalry, play some over-under, and so much more. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Of course, we are live right now on YouTube. Our email address is Troy at fanside.com and our phone number, two one no, our phone number is 818. 818- six four three seven two two seven see i'm i'm programmed <laughs> to have the old number in there this is Second terrible. Was show. yeah there you go second one's <laughs> burn show uh i'm your host michael castillo along with my co-host here in the rancher studio in los angeles elisa <laughs> hello
2: everybody hello
1: uh here we are um we have uh we, we we are episode 502 looking forward to the the stanford game it's a rivalry game it's it's pack 12 season uh big shout out to everyone joining us here live on on youtube uh huge shout out to smeez who says finally made a live show let's go hey, welcome. Yeah. welcome welcome uh welcome to the show Don't everybody to hit that like button yeah hit the like button hit the subscribe button uh and uh yeah, I'm 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 excited. This is uh this feels like a big one, right? It's
2: it's the Pac Twelve Opener. It's so not the Pac Twelve Road Opener, so we don't have as much to worry about, but mm-hmm. it's the Pac Twelve Opener. Yeah. Hi Ernesto in the chat.
1: <laughs> yeah. B- big Hi everybody in the chat. Big big hi to everybody. Alicia, um, we got so much to talk to talk about. I think we just have to remind people. Then you need to sign up for DraftKings. This episode is brought to you by DraftKings, where if you're a new user, you can receive 150 bucks in bonus bets instantly after following just three steps: one, you create an account; two, you deposit; and three, you wager five bucks on any sport. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you'll still receive 150 bucks in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code Reign of Troy when you sign up, and the best part is, Alicia, you use Reign of Troy and when you sign up, you know what happens? You support the show. And you can support us. You support us growing and all those things. Yes. Uh, so if you're considering signing up for DraftKings, definitely use our code "Rain of Troy" all one word uh, to maximize those first bets. The offer available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Yeah, Alicia. There's so much stuff to go on in this episode. I think we just have to. Get right into it. Let's get into the new show. All right. We got to start with injury news. Uh, USC has lost a lineman. Uh, We knew this in the Nevada game. Gino Quinones went down, had to be carted off the field. Uh, Well, taken off the field, eventually carted to the locker room. Uh, he is out for the season. Lincoln Riley announced uh, he's the Trojans' backup center. Uh, talking about backup centers ahead of a Stanford game, uh, a little worrisome, I guess. But uh, luckily for the Trojans, there is some depth there, but you don't want to really take season ending injuries on the offensive line at any point. Is there depth there, though? I mean, that's... Is there? There's rotational depth. <laughs> because there you the go.
2: depth chart, as we discussed uh I think it was on a on right after dark on one of those episodes. So go subscribe to listen to that when we discuss the depth chart in full. Um, is there is there depth at center? Because, you know, the the, the person who's listed is the backup to Justin. Well, okay. someone I've never heard of. So, yeah.
1: OK, the, maybe there's not depth at center itself. But what I'm saying is Justin Diedrich is still the starter.
2: Yes, yes. Justin Diedrich is still the starter. Um, and everything else is a contingency plan. So USC obviously will have their contingency plans. The, they'll have to figure out who they can trust in that position, if not Gino Canonez, who was already being trusted enough to play to play guard and to, to be in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it, it'll be interesting to see which way they go. Raman in the chat says uh, Pregnant and Alani Noah are, are capable um, personally. Yeah. I speaking of Stanford week, um, I don't want a, a true freshman. <laughs> I don't want to put that on Alani Noah. To be quite honest, I'd be much more willing to to have one of the transfers who have interior experience go in there and and, and take snaps and figure it out. But um, it's just something to have in the back of your mind as a as, as something to be conscious of that you really mm-hmm. really got to protect Justin Dietrich. Uh, And ideally what would happen this week against Stanford is to build a lead, get to a position where you can have Miller time and let that Miller time be some good quality snaps for whoever it is that they are going to trust to be Mm -hmm. the backup to Justin Dietrich.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think that would be, you know, big for SC to get those opportunities uh, for the depth guys, not not just Miller Moss, but like for for everybody, and and not just for the offensive line with with Quinones being out, but but for everybody, I think you want to continue that. You saw that in the first two weeks. I'm interested to see if there is sort of a line in the sand of like, okay, the first two weeks were preseason, and this is uh, this is a conference game, so it is the real deal, and the rotation is going to be different or not. Um, I don't know. I, I think we're going to see, but. If you go up big, you win big. We know this game has a 29 and a half point spread. If the spread is that big, you should be able to get in garbage time at some point. Um, so you can sort of force that rotation that way. So I don't know. We, we will see. We, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Uh, expect, obviously, Didas to get the start at center. But if uh, if things do happen, we'll have to see what goes on from there. Uh, the other news to, to get to, uh, it's not really news. It's buzz. Uh, This was, um, we got a question in the chat from Cameron. Um, uh, Cameron said, what are your thoughts on Caleb's father's statement regarding tanking NFL teams wanting to draft Caleb? Uh, Well, Carl Williams, Caleb Williams' father was quoted in GQ saying, quote, the funky thing about the NFL draft process is he'd almost be better off not being drafted than being drafted first. The system is completely backwards. He says the way the system is constructed, you go to the worst possible situation, the worst possible team, the worst organization in the league because of their desire for parody that gets, they get the first pick. And so it's the gift and the curse. I mean, I've talked to Archie Manning, his career was shot because he went to a horrible organization. I've talked to, talked to Lincoln Riley and Kyler Murray struggled because of where he was drafted Baker Mayfield struggled mightily because of where he was drafted. The organizations matter. Uh, he's got two shots at the apple, I'm referring to Caleb Williams. Uh, so if he's not in a good situation, the truth is he can come back to school. Alicia, I I'm curious your thoughts here. I think it is interesting, by the way, that uh, this quote says. I've talked to Lincoln Riley and Kyler Murray struggled because of where he was drafted. It's a little awkward considering that Kyler Murray drafted. Famously by Cliff Kingsbury, <laughs> who, for all intents and purposes, is like a the shadow offensive coordinator of this team, kind of, sort of, maybe, hypothetically. Um, that's weird, right? I think it's it's a shot at the, the Cardinals organization for being uh, trash, but
2: it's a little it's a little awkward with Cliff Kingsbury, but I think even Cliff Kingsbury would say that the issue is yeah, less with the, the bid coach was. and more with yes, yeah. the ownership management, all of that kind of stuff. Um so yeah, I can I can understand why Caleb would look at it and not want to end up in a place like Arizona. I, right. I think I think you could certainly make the case that you would be better off not ending up in a place like Cleveland or a place like, sure. you know, the Jets or or teams that have a history of picking quarterbacks high and then having everything go wrong for those quarterbacks. And it's like the common denominator is not necessarily the quarterback; it's it's the organization, it's the management, it's especially mm-hmm. the ownership. Sure. Um, so I get it, and I get what he's saying. That yes, technically. Yes, Caleb can decide to come back for 2024 and then enter the 2025 NFL draft if, if he wanted to. Yes, that is something that is avail- an option available to him. Mm-hmm. It is an option he will absolutely not take. I yeah. am saying it right now. Uh, if you don't if the Cardinals have the number one pick or whatever other teams they have their their eye out for that they don't want to go to, uh if the if that's the issue, let's say it's the Cardinals for or just for argument's sake, have the number one pick and he doesn't want to go to the Cardinals. The solution to that is not to say screw it, I'll just come back and then and then Mm -hmm. go in the twenty twenty five NFL draft because guess who might have the first pick in the twenty twenty five NFL draft? The Arizona Cardinals. So what you do is you you pull an Elway. You do what Elway did, or you do what Eli Manning did, which is Eric Lindros. You say I will I I will not sign for this team. Don't draft me, and if they do draft you, say I will not sign for you. Trade me and. To me, that's what this is. This is an early primer to NFL teams that would be on the radar for Caleb Williams as, as desirable destinations to say, Caleb might be willing to force the issue, go up and trade. And also to the mm-hmm. Cardinals or to whatever organizations that they specifically don't want him to go to, uh, we are pr- priming it right now. We are not going to you. Do not put make Caleb Williams part of your plan. So it's. It's a little bit of gamesmanship the way that I see it.
1: Yeah, I I would be, um, I don't even have to say any of these things. Like, I don't even have to clarify these things because I know that it's not going to happen, but I would be beyond godsmacked, right? If If uh, Caleb Williams came back to college football, I, I understand the idea that, oh, the players are making so much in NIL now that they can stay in college longer. I get, I get it. I believe- i like I wish that was the case. Uh, I like college football. I don't like the NFL, um at least not in comparison to to college football. I would prefer if all the players stayed in college football, but that's not rooted in reality because yes, theoretically, the NIL money means that you could stay in college and, and make millions of dollars and all this stuff, but you're still an injury away from losing all of that. NIL money is not guaranteed to be there long-term. Um, you also have the, the, the fact that where do you make generational wealth in the NFL? It's your first contract, your, your first free agent contract after your rookie deal expires. So by staying around in college football, one, one year, you are prolonging your access to that. That's one more year that you could have an injury one more year that, um, you know, knock on wood this doesn't happen for Caleb Williams, but that he could, you know, regress, that he could any of these things. He could get in a situation where there something happens and there's a situation that doesn't work out for him and he gets wally pipped or he gets, you know, any of these things. Cause we've seen it over and over and over again with a million different quarterbacks, right? So I still think you're in your best interest to go to the NFL, make millions of dollars in the NFL now as soon as you can. With the hope to make the generational wealth in four years, that's that's the best option. Yeah, and you know if um, if he ends up being uh, an Elway, an Eli Manning, uh, Eric Lindros, then then he is. Then I he's he's in the caliber of prospects that those guys were. Um, so that would check out. Uh, but also, this is we're we're so far ahead. Of the draft, yeah. that like why are we why are we talking about this the week of the Stanford?
2: Game? Well, we don't even know who has the number one pick.
1: So Kenny in the chat says this is his dad saying it. exactly.
2: Yeah, but also
1: yeah. I'd rather his dad say it than him.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, his dad can say it. He I don't think Caleb can as say it.
1: as long as Carl Williams doesn't become Lavar Ball, he can do all the talking like yes. about these kind of things. And I know that Caleb Williams has a podcast now, so who knows? Maybe these things get talked about on the podcast. But yeah.
2: But Caleb and his dad, Caleb and his family are smart. They know what they're doing when they say this. They know what they're doing when they give the okay to GQ Mm -hmm. to air this bit of the interview. Like, they know what they're doing. This is strategic and it's very early and it it might not even matter, but they're, they're, they have a plan. They have had a plan and that plan has involved the 2024 NFL draft the whole time. Yeah. That's what... From a USC perspective, that's the only thing that matters.
1: Yeah, i i saw i saw some i saw a tweet. I don't even remember who who said it or, or whatnot. not. Uh, something about like, well, you know, SC didn't take a quarterback and and doesn't have a quarterback lined up for for next year's draft class. Maybe maybe there's a reason. Maybe it's reading the tea leaves. No, no.
2: Also, no. they they do. They have
1: they they have Moss. And, they have Malachi, and they have Nelson, Malachi Nelson. And but,
2: the recruiting is sort of but a whole other issue because the transfer portal makes you makes it even less important that you have the, the, the high school recruit in the bag already. You can
1: have no quarterbacks until January. Yeah. And realistically, well, that would put you up against the walls. Sure. It's not stopping you from going out and getting the next Caleb Williams, whoever that is, right? Like whoever that is, if, they could go out and get Dante Moore from UCLA. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they could get anybody. So uh all right, let's get into USC and Stanford. Um the Trojans and the Cardinal, Lock and Horns, 7:30 p.m. on Big Fox. Um apologies in advance, folks. It is a Tim Brando game, so um get ready for that. Um before we talk about the game though, I want to talk about the rivalry. This is USC and Stanford. A rivalry that to me, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, Alicia, it is sacred. This is a sacred rivalry. It's USC's oldest rivalry. Dates back to 1905. Trojans have have a 65, 35, sorry, 65, 34, and three record. Um, there's a fascinating debates on the, the records because each team has a different record and none of those are Neither team's accurate, uh, record is truly accurate either, which is fascinating. Uh, this is this is from the SC game notes. Um, both USC and Stanford list their series record at 34, sorry, 64, 34, and three in the Trojans' favor. But both come about it differently. The Cardinal do not count USC's 25-8 win in 1918. Because Stanford claims that a team composed of student army training corps players, not the start the Stanford varsity <laughs> squad, played, but the Trojans, the, the Trojans that year. But SC, of course, counts that win. Um, but SC doesn't count the 2005 um win because of the whole vacated the vacation, wins thing. Yeah. So SC's like original record is 65, 34, and three. It's 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 bananas, but that's yeah. that's what this rivalry is.
2: <laughs> well, it's an it's an old rivalry, and the rivalry is sort of some of the USC's first national title uh, teams had to go through Stanford, had to go through Pop Warner's Stanford to 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 do anything, and and USC really the the rise of USC football had to there had to be a, a progression to be able to go toe to toe with with Stanford. Like Stanford was the was the the metric by which by which you judged whether or not USC was was becoming a power. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, it is absolutely an important rivalry. It's an old rivalry. It's a storied rivalry in its own way. Um, and I know you will you will make the case that in recent times it has been one of USC's better rivalries uh, yeah. of the past twenty years.
1: Yeah, not just the past twenty years. I think I think this is you know one of the one of the all time greatest rivalries but i think it heightened certainly recently um pulled a couple notes here the first u.s president to ever attend a usc football game stanford grad herbert hoover kind of fitting Mm -hmm. um of course both schools private schools both schools have the country club stereotype um in california um there you know the it's the these these schools are joined at the hip. They share a color, cardinal and golds. And Stanford is literally the cardinal be, because they used to be something else that they shouldn't have been named, but now they're the cardinal.
2: But I'm pretty sure their color is is cardinal. Yes, as well. it's cardinal. cardinal red.
1: Yes, yeah. the the bands. Let's talk about the bands. They're both like non traditional bands, right? Like SC is is the drive it style, um high stepping band, and uh stanford the 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 one the only the truly incomparable leland stanford junior marching bands uh is the irreverent scatter band that is going to do irreverent things um both of them not traditional in the most traditional sense possible i.e imagine what like big 10 bands are like um but they have a seething hate for each other and cal of course uh you have the counter march. Uh, you have the my personal favorite the the fact that they literally share a fight song, um, in the weirdest way possible because not like Stanford uh, sorry not like UCLA and Cal sharing a fight song because they're the same in the same university system. SC and Stanford share a fight song because Stanford has decided that their fight song is not "Come Join the Band." Their fight song is "Freeze All Right Now." which SC, of course, plays for turnovers. So Stanford scores a touchdown. They're going to play all right now. SC gets a t- forces a turnover against Stanford. SC's band's going to play all right now. Like, it's great. Like, it's it's a weird little nugget, right? Like, these themes are joined by the hip. And then uh, uh, Richard in the chat, by the way, says the countermarch is permanently dead. Sorry.
2: I'm well, very sad it's,
1: about this. I hate to break it to you. The rivalry's dead. Um, so I, I guess that's fitting. Um, but let's talk about the iconic moments of the past in this rivalry. Um, I think you look historically SC has beaten Stanford four times on last minute field goals in 53, 69, 73, and 2014 in 1979, Stanford kept SC from winning back-to-back national titles with a big 21, 21 tie. Uh, one of the most shocking results in SC history. Um, but then we go into the stuff in our lifetime, Alicia, and I think this is when the rivalry really heated up. I think in the nineteen ninety five game, SC beats Stanford, takes control of the Pac twelve. Keyshawn Johnson scores a, a big late touchdown, then goes and defends on the Hail Mary. After that, I remember me and my dad walking through the upper concourse, my dad like running and high fiving people left and right. Like it was a big deal. SC goes on to win uh I said the pack twelve, the pack ten. Uh, goes on to win the Pac-10, go to the Rose Bowl that year. And we know what Keyshawn did to, to Northwestern. I think of when I was a kid. Going to the old Stanford Stadium and how weird it is. Like, you look at pictures and it's like, they were playing at this place? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, so, it's so foreign because um, it feels like so much longer ago that that stadium existed. But 98, the first time I ever went there, went in 2002 when Carson Palmer put up the big Heisman numbers. I remember the 2001 game, SC's first after 9/11. Stephen Sample had a had a uh, a speech on the field. Uh, it was like you know sur- surreal because you see clips of like Lou Gehrig talking at Yankee Stadium, right, with like a microphone in front of him. That's what Stephen Sample was doing after 9/11 against Stanford. It was on November 22nd, 2001. Eleven days later, it was weird, weird for a football game, but like it was it was needed at the time, right? Um, and SC wouldn't lose a home game for six years until 2007 when this rivalry got absolutely insane from 2007 to 2015, I will argue this was the best rivalry in college football. I know ESPN wants to say it's LSU and Alabama. Everybody in the nation wants to say it's Michigan and Ohio state, whatever it's, it's SC and Stanford from 2007 to 2015 it was SC and Stanford. We're going to I'm going to walk through all of these games and Lisa, tell me your thoughts. First of all, the 2007 game, Stanford beats SC as a 40-point dog. Uh John David Booty, we know, gets the broken finger, stays in the game, throws the four picks.
2: The ultimate reminder of why if you are injured just come the, out, do the right thing for your team and come out of the game. mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: Famously, by the way, did not go to that game. I was at home crying my eyes out because the Cubs got eliminated. The Diamondbacks, <laughs> <that> <laughs> rough, rough
2: day for you. <laughs> Horrible. I Horrible. Ju- I, I just remember, uh, just being absolutely in shock. Like,
1: I was like, what, what do I need to go this in, game? As he's a forty-point favorite, they're gonna, they're gonna smoke him.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, I would not. I, I remember words.
2: sitting and listening to the alma mater and just being like, that. It's, it's, it's. You were a true freshman. I was a true freshman. Yeah, look at you sitting in the stands, just like blankly staring out as the alma mater played, and it felt like a funeral dirge.
1: Yeah. Speaking of funerals, we'll get to that in two thousand nine, uh, two thousand eight, uh, up at up at the farm. SC wins big, forty five twenty three. But like this is when the 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 feud starts brewing. Stanford ran like this one minute drill at the end. Um, Harbaugh calling timeouts in the dying seconds down 28 points in an attempt to cover the spread. Uh, Pete Carroll, after the game, was asked about it, and he said, quote, he can do whatever he wants. I don't care. To which Harbaugh, 365 days later or whatever, said, okay, I will. Uh, Because 2009, (laughs) another game which I did not attend because this was literally my grandpa's funeral, um, and it should have been Pete Carroll's funeral. Like... His, yeah figuratively for for the for the Pete Carroll era was 2009 against Stanford the what's your deal game Stanford outscores SC 27 nothing in the fourth quarter winning 55 21 they ran power over and over and over again the Harbaugh and Carroll meet in the middle of the field uh to which Carroll says what's your deal um you all remember that in 2009 but the epic games truly start in 2010 uh stanford wins 37 35 but this is a game in which matt barkley leads a late go-ahead drive to take the lead with 69 seconds left alan bradford scores the touchdown looks like the trojans are going to get revenge then there's a late hit on chris calippo moves the the ball 15 extra yards luck leads stanford down kicks a field goal as time expires to win 37 35
2: that penalty that penalty. And that, I want to, I, I don't remember exactly, like it, it was the, it wasn't the first time that had that happened to USC in in recent memory. And Darnell
1: Bing in sex I just yeah. remember
2: being just absolutely incensed.
1: I i was watching the highlights when I was putting together this thing. It, it is fascinating to me how similar it was to the Tackett at Curtis hit.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> not necessarily in terms of the ferocity, because it wasn't as hard of a hit, but more so, uh, just kind of late and not necessary, but here we go. 2011, the greatest USC loss of all time. Uh, it's number six, Stanford, one loss bull band USC. The Trojans take a lead with three minutes to go. Nicole Roby picks off, uh, Andrew Luck, the Coliseum, literally shaking the loudest singular moment I've ever been at the Coliseum. It was incredible. And Andrew Luck came back and tied it with 38 seconds to go. Frickin' Andrew Luck. Yeah. And then with nine seconds left, SC has the ball with all their timeouts, two timeouts, uh, all their timeouts for the drive, two timeouts with nine seconds to go. Robert Woods catches this little crossing pass. And instead of going down and calling the timeout, he tries to run all the way out of bounds. It looks like he does. And then they review it and realize that, no, his knee was down in bounds the refs did not honor uh, Lane Kiffin trying to call the timeout. So instead of a 50-yard field goal for Andre Hidari, which he hit literally earlier in that game, um, as he could not attempt it, they go to overtime. Three overtimes later, Curtis McNeil fumbles in the end zone. It's a win for Stanford, but we've talked about it many times over. It's a game that every I think everybody will remember where they were when they were there when you watch that game, where you sat, where you watched it, what you were eating, because it was, it was the greatest loss in USC history. I think.
2: Easily the best loss that I have ever, I have ever experienced. Yeah. In any, at any, in any sport, at any level.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. 2012, the Cyrus hobby game. We don't have to go into that one. Uh, We know what happened to that one. Uh, 2013, the field rush. Ed Ogeron is USC's interim head coach. Uh, it's College Game Day's most recent visit to the to to USC. They their first ever at McCarthy Quad, which is awesome. You and I were there. We were there for Game Day. We were there bright and early. Uh, there all day. It was a fun time. Uh, SC um, gets a picks gets a big interception from Seward Cravens. Tied at seventeen with three minutes to go. Kessler converts a fourth and two. Uh, ultimately it's a 47 yard game winning field goal from Andre Hadari crowd rushes the field. Uh, It's a crazy moment. First time the USC had rushed the field since 1999.
2: Only time I've ever rushed the field as a, as a fan. Like, yeah, I, I, I've now gotten to experience going onto the field after the final whistle as like a photographer and that's super cool. But there is something about just, being a fan and being out there and like going up to players and like patting them on the pads and just going like, you know, you know, I was with, with our friend Trenise who's in the chat and we were just losing our minds. Like it was, it was absolutely incredible. And then the coolest part was that we uh, in order to, to get out of the, out of the Coliseum, we had to go up the steps to the peristyle and like, that was a cool experience in and of itself. Like it was just everything about it was cool.
1: Yeah. It's a moment you remember forever. And Mm -hmm. SC, the following year, sort of repeated it, kind of. Uh, Sark's second game, it's the game after SC has 105 uh, plays against uh, Fresno State. You think it's going to be this offensive showdown, but it's not. It's a defensive slugfest. Stanford has like a million trips inside the 40, but only scores 10 points. SC wins 13-10 with Hadari hitting a 53-yard field goal up in Palo Alto on the farm. Um, jr J- Tavai forces a fumble on the very last drive um to win it Mega moment for sc to start the sark era i mean they lose to boston college the next week uh, yeah, but inexplicably we but time. you know yeah then there's 2015 uh mccaffrey one and mccaffrey two the first game mccaffrey 249 yards from scrimmage uh, and then there's the second one, the Peckdorf championship game. A, a weird one because SC literally led this game in the third quarter, but nobody ever remembers that because okay. everyone remembers that it's the game in which in the press box you could hear Justin Wilcox say every foul word in the book every time McCaffrey touched the ball. He gained hundred, sorry, 461 all-purpose yards, uh, about 50 yards short of Reggie Bush's output against Fresno State. Even crazy that he even got close, right?
2: Um yes. I and mean, crazier
1: he didn't win the Heisman with that game. That's
2: McCaffrey not winning the Heisman is to me the biggest snub Heisman snub of the century. Uh yes, what he's gone on to do in the NFL is sort of a proof positive of like what were we what, what were we doing, guys? Um but uh but that game was a lot closer than than sort of it felt like. But we've also seen over the weekend you know, LSU, Florida state, uh, Clemson Duke, if, and USC used to, USC used to do this week in and week out where it doesn't really matter what the score is at halftime. It doesn't really matter what mm-hmm. happens. It's how you finish. If you finish the game strong, people yeah. will come away thinking like that. You, you absolutely walloped somebody. And that's, and that's what it, what that game ultimately was is, is Stanford finished strong. And that's why it felt like such a, yeah a walloping when it was it was close for for most of it it's just you know you got to finish
1: yeah stanford scored 28 of the last 34 points in that game and if you do that uh, not only you're gonna win the back 12 but you're gonna you know win a, a historic game that way um sc of course had big moments in 2017 700 yards of total offense the uh, chris september brown game. yeah the chris brown game also the 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 Stephen Carr game but really the chris brown game rest in peace to chris mm-hmm. brown um the 2017 uh Pac-12 championship game uh Josh Follow catching that pass yeah, to to, to, to seal it on fourth down there's a big Shannon, fourth down stop at at the goal line too
2: Shannon Wosu making that making that stop mm-hmm. at the goal line yeah the goal line stop is huge um that was a and only Pac-12 championship for USC unless they do it this year
1: so yeah and then of, of course the most recent sc memory is Keaton slovis's debut in 2019 it was uh qb2 electric, uh, electric bugaloo and uh slovis won that one yeah. uh trojans finished with 42 unanswered points since then the rivalry has been whatever but i think the height of it definitely 2007 to, to 2015 when i was a kid i thought that the cow rivalry was the 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 pinnacle of what's uh, a football rivalry could be, you know, apart from just the, uh, the the hatred that you would have as an SC fan towards UCLA and Notre Dame. Um, football-wise, it was the Cal rivalry, and then it easily became Stanford, and Stanford was the big one. Um, maybe now that's evolved to Utah or something, but I think there's a void, and there's going to be a void when these two teams no longer meet with the Trojans going to the Big Ten and Stanford to the ACC. And for what? For for millions of dollars that none of us get to see, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, Kenny in the chat says, hey, the most recent is that uh, the game that got Clay Helton fired. There you go. There you go. Uh, let's get into this game, though. Uh, USC and Stanford. 7.30 p.m. on Fox, as we mentioned. Uh, this is the new Stanford team. Gone is David Shaw. Uh, Troy Taylor is in. This is his first year as head coach. Uh, previously at Sac State, he was pretty good at Sac State in the FCS, uh, but the Cardinal not in a position to transition well here. Three and nine last year. Trojans beat him 41-28 uh, up on the farm last year. Uh, they ranked S, uh, 93rd in SP Plus last year, 92nd in the preseason going into this year. They lost a bunch of dudes uh, to the NFL and to transfers. Um, Tanner McKee is gone. Uh, Kaeyu Blue Kelly is gone. Michael Wilson is gone. Elijah Higgins is gone. Kendall Williamson is gone. A lot of dudes are gone. Um, But this is a Stanford team that started well in week one. They beat Hawaii 37-24 on the road in Honolulu. Um, They have a new quarterback, Ashton Daniels, sophomore out of Georgia, uh, threw for 249 yards in the win uh, over the Bows last week. Uh, we know that E.J. Smith, Emmett Smith's kid, is back at running back, but he's in a weird sort of three-headed backfield um, sort of headlined by by Casey Philkins, who had 67 yards uh, against Hawaii. And then the best player on this team is Ben Urasik at, at tight end, 6'4", 242 pounds, easily Stanford's best player, especially in week one, uh, nine catches, 138 yards, it's career high. And a touchdown, eleven targets, eleven of Daniels' thirty-six targets last week uh, went to Jurassic. Um, he's going to be all everything uh, in in the conference, probably at, at tight end, and he sort of leads the Stanford attack.
2: Yeah, and USC has had issues with tight ends in the past, so he's definitely the mold of player that uh, that that has burned USC over and over and over again, whether you're talking about Stanford tight ends or Utah tight ends or other teams tight ends. So he's definitely the one that, that I am looking out for when it comes to this Stanford offense. Mm -hmm. Um, I watched the uh, sort of like condensed highlights um, or condensed game, extended highlights.
1: Big shout Uh, out to Matthew loves ball,
2: by the way, Matthew loves ball on on YouTube. YouTube. Uh, Very, very useful um, shortening of games. To a sort of uh, watchable, like instead of sitting and having to watch a three hour football game, yeah. to watch in 30 minutes, which is very nice. And um, yeah, I, I think that Jurassic is definitely the guy who stands out for Stanford. Um, their offense going up against a, a pretty, pretty weak Hawaii defense. Uh, not terribly impressive, not bad by any stretch They They were able to do what they wanted to do. Um, but they rely a lot on quarterback runs. They rely a lot on putting the ball in the quarterback's hands and having him carry. Uh, I believe Ashton Daniels had 11 carries for 42 yards in that game. Got a couple first downs, uh, by, by running on third down. So, uh, definitely somebody that, that that is somewhat similar to the quarterbacks that USC has already faced this year. Yeah, in that I think he's he's quite comparable to, uh, to to the sort of mobility of of Chevin uh, Cordero, um, or he Brent- looks like
1: a like an inexperienced Cordero.
2: Yeah, uh, or or you know, so, someone also in the mold a little bit of of Bre- Brendan Lewis who can run. Uh, I think the big difference is that they will ask him to do more design runs than either of those quarterbacks attempted against USC. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's definitely something it's interesting though, because USC is not traditionally upended by designed quarterback runs. It's the scrambles that get USC. It's the, it's the sort of heads up play where you get away from the pass rush uh, and have a mobile quarterback that has really burned USC in the past. So with with Ashton Daniels, I think it's going to be very interesting to see you, how USC approaches it and whether or not he will take a page out of Chevin Cordero's book and maybe try to look to be patient in the pocket and then take off and run because he can run if he needs to. Uh, but uh, but in, in general, this this isn't an offense that I think is a major step up from what USC has already played. And in that sense, as we've sort of led up to throughout the, the start of the season that the USC defense wasn't going to be really tested in the first few weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't think that this offense is one that feels like it'll be any, any more of a test than San Jose state was. So it, I, I will be looking to see USC's defense look a lot more like they did against Nevada than San Jose state when it comes to going up against a, a Stanford team that outside of your doesn't really have the kinds of weapons that should scare a team of, of USC's caliber.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think you look at Stanford on, on offense and I think they Troy Taylor, I think is certainly a, a capable, uh, uh, you know, commander of the offense. Um, and I, I thought sort of the play design was interesting. They, they want to do a lot of, uh, you know, interesting runs with the quarterback, Daniels. They, they put him in, in different formations to uh, and the running backs in different formations and, and to get stuff out of them, too. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they, they line up Jurassic throughout the, throughout the game and throughout the season uh, at large. Because I think they, they have some interesting, you know, wrinkles that they can throw you. It just feels too early. It feels too early for Stanford, um, both in the progression of Ashton Daniels, but also in how this chemistry of this offense is is going to gel at large. I think there's interesting playmakers here in Smith, Bilkins and Jurassic, but this should be a, a, an offense that. Um, is probably capable of scoring against a a USC defense that can absolutely struggle at times. Um, But if SC plays like they did against Nevada, where the blitzes get home uh, and they're able to keep things in front of them and SC continues to improve defensively, um, then I think they're going to be in position to, um, you know, tee things up for SC's offense against Stanford's defense.
2: But that's, that's my thing is that, The issues that USC had against San Jose State felt like like USC's defense not being up for it, not having their heads on right, not being where they were supposed to be or being overly aggressive and and creating opportunities for the offense to to Mm -hmm. take advantage of them. And the difference between San Jose State and Nevada was, I think we saw just in general, USC's defense – to a player, took care of their assignments. Didn't have any major busts except for the one, you know, the one late with uh, with Anthony Beavers. Um, mm-hmm. Even the Damani Jackson one, it's not a bust. It's just a it's just a beat on a one on one, which again will happen. Not that you want it to happen. Not that you accept that it happened, but it, right. it does happen, right? there will be teams that USC plays in the future who have talent that is good enough to even if they all even if every USC player sort of just does their job there will be teams that will be able to get the physical beat off of them or just have a play, you know just just have an advantage that they're able to to exploit here or there because the talent sort of dictates that stanford does not have that so yeah. if USC is unable to stop stanford then it's a structural issue then it's a it's a broader issue that we will you know continue to talk about uh USC if Stanford has success here the way i see it it won't be because Stanford has some inherent advantage to their offense that right. could not possibly be stopped by a defense like USC's
1: yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's turn the page, talk about USC's offense going up against the Stanford defense. Uh the Stanford defense, an interesting one last week against Hawaii. Uh they held the uh the Rainbow Warriors to negative five rushing yards, six sacks. They really got after uh the the Hawaii quarterback, but Uh, Hawaii was able to throw the football 355 yards through the air. Um, I thought that Hawaii was able to move the ball pretty well, 350 yards total um, for, for Hawaii. There were eight of 16 on third down. And if Stanford is having that kind of, um, you know, production against them on defense from Hawaii, even in a game that you get to the quarterback six times, it's it's not going to fare well against SC, who, as it stands now, is the number one SP Plus offense uh, in the country, and led by the Heisman Trophy winner and Caleb Williams, uh, a team that has just absolutely, uh, you know, rolled through the first two weeks on offense, averaging you know almost sixty points a game.
2: Yeah, um, I watched I watched uh, Hawaii's offense against Stanford's defense, and I came away with one major observation and that is David Bailey is really good mm-hmm. yeah the, the outside linebacker who USC really should have won in a in a recruiting battle
1: he ended up staying
2: yeah uh, yeah he, he he went to Stanford in the first place and then there was a the question of whether or not he would transfer and he decided not to um it's a shame that David Bailey isn't playing for USC right now uh, because David Bailey is very good uh yeah. he was a all Pac 12 honorable, honorable mention. He looked like he could compete to be on the All Pac 12 team at the end of the season. Four tackles for um, lost,
1: three sacks last week.
2: Defensive line, the defensive line player of the week in the Pac 12. Uh, head and shoulders above everybody else that's on that Stanford defense. Um, uh, Aloy Gilman's brother is on this defense, mm-hmm. uh, Alaki. I think is, is how Alakai is it Alakai? I think so. Yeah. Um, so he's a safety with this team. He led them in tackles against Hawaii with seven. Honestly, beyond that, I do not know that there is much to talk about from a defensive pers- perspective for Stanford. Um, they, Will live and die by David Bailey doing something incredible, which mm-hmm. I think he's capable of. So USC has to circle his name, you know, have the the everybody on on offense should know where number twenty three is on on defense at all times, um, and and neutralize him as much as possible. And if you do that, there's no reason you can't do to Stanford what you did to Nevada and what you did to San Jose State. Yeah. And I'm not trying to like be disrespectful to Stanford. It's just that very few defenses that USC plays this year will be able to stop USC from, from scoring 50 points. It, that's the, the advantage that USC has over everybody and Stanford's defense doesn't return a lot. It,
1: yeah. it just, it, that's it lost just the, a lot of dudes.
2: It's just the reality of, of, of where they're at. And it's it's going to be a mismatch every week, and it's going to be a mismatch this week.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that Stanford's biggest thing here um, in slowing down SC's offense is going to be slowing down the game. Uh, looking back at the Hawaii game, Stanford and Hawaii basically had the same number of plays. Stanford ran 70, Hawaii ran 69. Stanford outgained Hawaii on a per-yards per-play basis, 5.8 to 5.1. So it's not like Hawaii was super explosive in comparison. And yet Stanford had 10 minutes, 10 minutes, uh, 34, 15 to 25, 45. So nine minutes, uh, more than of of time of possession, more than Hawaii did last week. I have to think that that's going to be the game plan in this one, especially with the new timing rules. stall, stall, stall take the ball away from Caleb Williams as much as you can slow things down, um, take the air out of it, do the old Stanford thing. Um, that's probably your best game plan. If you're Stanford of keeping SC out of the end zone enough for the, the Trojans to get to the half century mark.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and pounce on, on USC mistakes. USC needs to, protect the football and don't give away, you know, a bad snap fumble kind of situation. Uh, It'll, it'll be those kinds of self-inflicted wounds that could give Stanford an opening in this game, but it it will come down to USC self-inflicting those wounds when it comes to this offense. Because again, there is no matchup here. it's It's just like last week I was saying, sorry to Nevada. I'm sorry, Stanford. There, there's, there's no matchup here. It's, it's hold on for dear life and and hope that uh, Ashton Daniels and, and those guys on offense can be very efficient with their possessions, mm-hmm. which means retain possession for long stretches and then score on the end of those possessions. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, yeah, it's, it's not a matchup. All
1: right, let's get into um, some over under, shall we? so you're going over i'm feeling bold give me that over i'll go under. i gotta take an under here i got three unders to take i'm gonna do an under here all right Elisa let's get into the over under if you're if you're new to us uh we play over under where we pick lines of different things in the game uh and we set our own lines and go back and forth uh and you guys the bots, can join us uh, if you're in the chat, we've thrown the link in there as well. Uh, you can play along, make your picks as we go along. And then uh, we track everything every week uh, and for out the season um, to see who's got the best over under picks uh, going into the game. You are seven and five. I am six and six. Uh, let's get to your first over under Alicia. Uh, it is what?
2: Marshawn Lloyd, no blocky, no rocky moments. And I'm setting the over-under on 0. 0.5. This one's very simple. In week zero, Marshawn Lloyd had that wonderful no blocky, no rocky moment. Uh, in week two, he somehow had it even better. Oh, sorry, in week one against Nevada, somehow upped the ante on that block that he gave, that he had to spring Taj Washington's touchdown. So every week I have logged on to Twitter after the game, and somebody has put up a a video of Marshawn Lloyd doing no blocky, no rocky kind of things. So my over under is will he, will we see another one of those videos in week two?
1: Yeah. Um, I, here's the thing I like lines like this because they're, they're fun. They're interesting. They're different. It's different than, you know, will so and so catch four passes, whatever it is, right? But I'm scared of these things because <laughs> they're subjective. It's a crapshoot. <laughs> it's it's an absolute crapshoot because not only do does this thing have to happen, but we have to notice it.
2: Mm-hmm. Because and we have to notice it by Monday,
1: right? Because there there could be a, a great moment where he just has a great block, but maybe it's not a highlight reel block and we miss it in the moment. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, gifable. It doesn't go viral for all those things. And, uh, it's never in here or, um, maybe he doesn't play that much. Maybe this is going to be a game where there's more Austin Jones. All those questions sort of lead me to take the under. I think it's just safer to go under. I think you hope it's over. Um, I'm going to take the under I'm going to be I'm I'm going to be a wet blanket here and take the under
2: I get you because I I'm 100% in agreement with you that this is a crapshoot and you're throwing a dart at the wall and and seeing if it'll stick yeah (laughs) and uh, I have I have one of those choices later a little bit and I'm with you is that I I tend to go with the under because statistically The likelihood of it happening again gets lower each week
1: yeah sure uh let's go to my first over under which is 95 and a half ben yards yards the word yards there uh which means any sort of yards uh all-purpose yards scrimmage yards we'll just go all-purpose yards uh, he had a season high 95 yards last year against the Trojans. Caught five catches for 45 yards. But the reason I just say yards because he had a 50 yard rush last year, uh, which I I need to go back and watch. Was was it a reverse? Was it? Uh, I I don't remember it. I do not remember it either. Was it? What is it? Was it a reverse or or was it just like a screen pass that was behind the line of scrimmage? I wonder if it was just know. like
2: one of those extended handoffs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh so yeah, 95 yards. He had a season high, 95 last year against SC, but as we talked about it in the open, talking about Stanford here, Eurastic had 138 yards against Hawaii in week one. We've talked about it. He's their best player on offense. Everything should funnel through him. And I, I don't have to say what SC did to not stop tight ends last year. Um don't. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, 95 and a half. Ben Urasik, yards. What do you got?
2: Smash that over. When it comes to tight ends facing USC's defense, always smash the over. Okay. That is a very high line, and I feel very confident that uh, Ben Urasik will have 100 yards in this game. Um, Number one, he's a tough matchup. Now, USC does have uh, Eric Gentry, hopefully – I mean, I, I think we've heard that he's practicing, so maybe he'll be available. That may, might even the odds in terms of a matchup against a tight end on a, on a linebacker. But I, I just assume that the tight end will have many, many opportunities and that USC will not know what to do with him. Yeah. And he'll get a hundred yards.
1: Yeah. I I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to see exactly how SC goes around trying to defend him. Uh, like, do you just stick somebody on him? Uh, uh, the entire game do you do you double team him do you force you know daniels to go elsewhere i don't know uh, knowing grinch you're gonna pressure daniels to to uh to throw the ball in his in his first uh, hostile road road game mm-hmm. um and maybe that leads to more ben Jurassic because he's the safety, safety blanket, it blanket, yeah. yeah i don't know uh let's go to your next over under pick what do you got all
2: right i am doing uh third downs this is Stanford's third down conversions. Mm-hmm. I have it set at 4.5. I have it set at 4.5 because USC has given up five third downs in each of the first two games of the season. In fact, San Jose State was five of 11 through three quarters. And the fourth quarter, when it was garbage time, they were much less efficient on third down, Yeah, ended up at a 38% third down conversion rate, which is... Very generous to what USC was actually doing against them. It was closer to fifty percent. Nevada, by comparison, and we noticed noted this on Monday, was not able to have the success on third down. USC was it was getting out, getting off the field on defense. Yeah, uh, they stopped Nevada uh, zero for two on on third and long, two for seven on third and short. Against Hawaii, Stanford was very good on third and short. They were five of eight on third and short. They were six of 12 overall. Um, and, I, and I wanted to make a note in the Stanford game notes. They touted how Stanford had 34 minutes of possession, time of possession. They won that battle. And the game notes themselves mentioned that USC's offense is very high powered and that one of the ways that Stanford will look to limit USC's offense is By using their offense to control the tempo of the game Mm -hmm. and prevent USC's offense from being on the field, which is why third down conversions are going to be very important because the USC defense needs to get off the field. And we have seen in the past mixed results on that front. So uh, I'm going with third down conversions. Will USC be able to have uh, their best showing of the season so far? when it comes to preventing the other team from converting on third down?
1: I, four and a half just feels low. I, I, I think that if this line was five and a half, six and a half, I think I would have been more inner, like more interested in entertaining the, the idea of going under, but at four and a half, I think I, I take the over here. Um, I, I think that you could, you could get in a, in a, in a thing where, yeah, Stanford ends up going five of 13 or something like that. Um, and even as I can still make stops and Stanford can have five converted third downs. It just, uh, doesn't seem like that many, but then again, if they're taking the air out of the ball, maybe they're not going to have a lot of third downs themselves either.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, let's go to my uh, next over-under, uh, which is going to be uh, an interesting one that I, I I don't like to do yes or no's, but I'm doing a yes or no. Uh, so over-under 99.9%, uh, a.k.a. yes or no, on USC uh, red zone scoring rates. Will the Trojans be perfect in the red zone? The reason I say this is because USC is a perfect 10 for 10 in the red zone through two games. They played San Jose state and Nevada two two teams that they are much better than obviously. Um, but the, the craziest part is, you know, Stanford is, was fourth in red zone defense last year. I think that there there'll be a, they were formidable in the red zone last year. So we'll see what happens this year and staying perfect is difficult in any game because garbage time uh, could happen and, Maybe you end the game in the red zone or whatever. And and that takes away from your perfect uh, red zone opportunities or you miss a field goal or or what have you. So I looked it up. I'm like, when was the last time SC started a perfect 10 and 0 in their 10 for 10 in their red zone entries to start a season? I, I want you to sit down. If you're driving, please pull to the side of the road (laughs) safely, safely, safely. Because you need to focus on this sentence I'm about to say. In recent memory, basically as far as I can, back as I can go, SC's best start to a season in red zone conversion rate in a perfect streak to start a season is 22 for the first 22 attempts. What year did that happen? 2021.
2: Oh, so close to being the perfect two, 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 two. Yes, but it happened if in twenty twenty one, the year
1: in which Clay Helton was fired, the most disastrous year in USC football that you could ever imagine, the most unwatchable team, maybe outside of twenty ten. Well, twenty ten was just unmemorable. Yeah, twenty twenty one unwatchable. Yes, they went twenty two for their first twenty two in the red zone. <laughs> what? there's and got their head coach (laughs) fired. i I saw this and like i i didn't believe it i was like worried that i was on the south carolina page or something
2: okay for reference that was one two three four five games five games into the season and it snapped on a missed field goal by the way
1: by parker lewis
2: against utah in october
1: and (laughs) you know like, like sc was somewhat competitive early on in the season sort of kind of even though they were still with the, uh, you know. Well,
2: they weren't as uncompetitive as they were in the last half of that
1: season. Yeah, but so, what, t-
2: 2021? Yeah, 2021.
1: Unbelievable. This is,
2: this is why statistics are a weird thing and you have to be careful with them because there are things that just sort of like fly in the face of, of what actually was happening. Because you would think like you were having a really good season if that happened and absolutely not. Um, Yeah, I feel
1: yeah. So anyways, SC is a perfect 10 for 10 to start in the red zone. Do they continue to be perfect in the red zone? We know this is going to be the best offense that USC has ever had in your lifetime. Probably. Will they continue that in the red zone? Perfect. 10 for 10. We're talking 10 for 10 scoring. We're not talking to touchdown rates. The so touchdowns are field goals. field goals count here. Okay. So perfect. 10 for 10. Uh, USC so far will they be still at 100 99.9 is the over under so if you take the over you are saying that SC will be infallible in the red zone if you take the under you're saying that SC will have gone in the red zone and left with no points at least once
2: uh see this is this is the crapshoot for me
1: yes it is
2: I feel very strongly that USC is more than capable of continuing this streak of perfect red zone appearances, mm-hmm. but statistically, the chance of there being a random bad snap fumble or a random uh, missed field goal or sure. a random whatever garbage time that just, time, yeah. That just ha- yeah garbage time what something happens, I have to take the under on this. Just just st- I have to play the statistics. I'm not doubting USC's offense at all. Uh, Would not surprise me at all if they, if they stayed perfect, but crap happens and I'm, I'm mitigating that.
1: All right. That'll lock me into the over. Um, I think it (laughs) will be interesting one to watch. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to your last over under. What do you got?
2: All right. I need to explain this better than I explained. (laughs) Here we go. Okay.
1: When you told me what this was in our pre-show meeting, I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) Okay.
2: Oh. I'm going points for USC on the last two drives to end the half.
1: So basically to close the half, to close the half. But the, you're talking about the last two drives specific last two offensive drives specific. I'm
2: defining it by the last two offensive drives to close the half.
1: Okay, caveats. Within
2: within, within the second half of the second quarter. Like like within well, well,
1: reason i think i think we had a limit just in the second quarter the in the less, second quarter yes yeah yeah but like because what if stanford takes the arrow of the ball and the sc's second to last drive of the of the second half is like with two two minutes into the second quarter that's still i think that should still count
2: yeah yeah i mean again it's i get it it's a weird iffy thing i wanted to do initially the middle the, mid, eight. the middle eight yeah. but then i started going in circles about how to judge the middle eight in a fair manner because then it's like, well, when did the drive start? When did the drive end? Blah, 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 blah. What happens if it's a 10 play, like eight minute drive? And I mean, I do think it's funny. The and-
1: middle eight is pretty clear. It's four minutes and four minutes.
2: Yeah. But like, let's say USC gets the ball <laughs> to start the third quarter and then has an eight minute drive. And then that doesn't count as a, well, it doesn't count um, again. It's a whole thing, but either way, the bigger issue for USC has been closing out the half. So yes. Against San Jose State, USC scored a touchdown with three minutes and 31 seconds to go, which was a long second quarter drive, 10 plays, 52 yards um, to score a touchdown. That is the only touchdown that USC has scored in the final four m- minutes of the half this season. The next drive against San Jose State was a three and out with a punt. Against Nevada, they had a three and out with a punt and a four and out with that fumbled snap situation thing that happened. So USC has not closed the half very strongly this year. My question is, will he, cl- will, will USC close the half? Will Caleb Williams close the half strongly? And what I've said is, will they score more than a touchdown in the, 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 you know, before, before the half?
1: Yeah. Uh It's going to be, this is the line of seven and a half points. Um, in USC's final two offensive drives of the second yes, quarter, yes, just to just um, to make to yeah. make
2: to get the technicals down, which I may regret putting that on them, but it's the only solution I have. I say.
1: I am now rooting for SC to score and run a fake field goal for the two point conversion. Uh, so it's eight points, <laughs> and it's a technical win. Yeah, uh, that is what I'm. That is what I'm rooting for.
2: Or or it could be so. It, I mean, that's true because we're we're not going to count like something like a safety. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, After thinking about this, this is, it's been a tough one. I'm going to take the under strictly because I think a lot of weird stuff happens uh, in games. I wanted to lean towards the, the, sorry, I'm taking the under. Um, I think I misspoke. Um, I'm taking the under.
2: No, what I was, I just wanted to clarify if there is a drive
1: what if there's a pick six or a defensive score or, uh, or a punt return
2: i we, again i it's it's too complicated we're not going to be over complicated it's, okay. it's, it's just override. offensive drives offensive okay. drives okay. the one thing i do want to say is like Uh, Against Nevada, there was Nevada got stopped with like ten seconds left, and they punted. And USC had one play
1: that doesn't that they just if if
2: USC is taking a knee, that doesn't count. That doesn't count.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Okay. I I will. I'm going to take the under just because things are weird. Thing any anything could happen there. Um. Even though it's seven and a half points, screw it. Can I? Are you changing it? Can I flip it? You can flip it. All right. Um this graphic is wrong if you're watching us on youtube we'll (laughs) pretend it's in. michael
2: is officially in the in the scores tally taking the over which locks me into the under yeah four points to close because i just
1: realized a field goal touchdown and a field goal would 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 get it so
2: he hasn't done that in the first two games
1: yeah i know okay so i'm taking the over i'm taking the over swap faces if you're watching us on youtube um all right uh let's go to my last over under which which is actually do this time three and a half Caleb Williams touchdowns. Uh, Caleb Williams leads the nation in touchdowns. He's got 10. All of them are through the air. Uh, He's accounted for four more touchdowns in 11 of his 16 games as a Trojan. That ties Matt Barkley for the school record. But if Caleb gets four TDs against Stanford, he'll pass Matt Barkley and will have done it in exactly 30 fewer games because This will be his 17th game, and Matt Barkley played 47 at USC. So does Caleb Williams do it in 30 30 fewer games? Three and a half is the line. So if you say over, he does it. If you say under, he doesn't do it and saves it for a different day. Over, under, three and a half, Caleb Williams touchdowns against Stanford.
2: I hate this line so much. Uh oh! I hate it so much. I uh, okay. He had four in the first two games. He is more than capable of having four or more against Stanford. Mm-hmm. They're passing often. Their passing defense is got tore up by by Hawaii. It's a little sus they should be able to carve through this. So like I, there's every reason to think that Caleb Williams will have four touchdowns in this game at the same time. Oh, you, I mean, is Austin Jones can score a touchdown on a couple of touchdowns on the ground. Mm-hmm. Marshawn Lloyd can do it on the ground. Um, mm-hmm. Garbage time could mean Caleb is out early and it's not necessarily needed the uh, just again, like statistically, he can't, he can't keep you can't scoring. can't keep getting away with this. He can't keep scoring four touchdowns every single game. It's just like, it, it just, it does not happen. So I, I went with the under, I regret it already
1: i'm so glad you did because i want this over bad
2: i am i was seriously considering flipping it and doing what you did where we would say like no, only, ignore only the graphics I, only i'm allowed we're changing our minds that's in the a, middle of the me. show which we used to be able to do but now we have graphics for the viewers that are listening in podcasts on youtube we have a graphic where it shows our face on the thing that we pick so yeah, like we're even to pick animated it. We have to pick it before the show instead of just like winging it like we used to do uh so, so I'm locked into the under. I don't feel happy about it, but I am.
1: Okay. Well, it's only fair. D- do you want to switch? No. Okay, good. Cool. <laughs> good, cuz I want the over. I want that uh, over.
2: I'm going to regret this immediately, but also I just I need I need Austin Jones and Marshawn Lloyd to just do me a favor here. I just need them to score all the, score all the points. But then I looked up like Stanford's rushing offense, but rushing defense was
1: it was good against, was hawaii. Good against hawaii so yeah. i'm a little bit concerned yeah oh, cigar okay. in the chat says easily over yeah. yes i agree i agree thank you uh all right that's good it's gonna wrap up over under uh for us uh let's get to our game predictionis, uh if that's a word i don't know we're making it one uh the vegas spread last time that we looked was 29 and a half in favor of the trojans uh bill Connolly's numbers recipe plus uh, it was USC by 32.9 points with a margin of victory as 45 to 13. Alicia, what is your prediction?
2: I am going uh, 55, 20 in favor of USC. I will believe that USC will not score 50 points when I see it. Okay. And I will believe that USC's defense will not give up 20 points when I see it, the stamp Sanford, uh, granted they had Tanner McKee last year and, and sort of caught USC off guard a little bit. They scored 28 mm-hmm. points last year. So um, I think you, it could very easily be another San Jose state situation. Right. Uh, I'm hoping that it'll be more of a Nevada situation, mm-hmm. but I'm also not betting on this defense yet. So 55, 20.
1: All right. 55, 20. You say uh, I'm going to be close to that uh, first of all, by the way, last week, big shout outs to me. I said SC would win 66-14. Mm-hmm. It was 66-17. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: Which I believe our, our friend Keely Yurga. Yeah, she spawned. bested me.
1: She nailed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then I, I don't know if she said this on her podcast, but we're going to out her right now. <laughs> she told us off air. Sorry, Keely. Sorry, Keely. She only picked 66-17 because she said she was lazy and looked up the score of the Rice game last year. <laughs> so hey, she's not, she 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 yeah, not a bad strategy. She clearly cheated. Yeah. Uh, not And Lincoln Riley was like, we are going to be very predictable. Yes. Um, week two. Yeah, I'm going to say 49-21. And, and the reason it's 49-21 um, is because I don't think SC will score a touchdown that is not on offense. Uh okay. the last two weeks they've gotten a special teams touchdown against san jose state forty nine offensive points mm-hmm. but um Defensive they they scored a, a um touchdown on special teams last week they scored defensively um to score sixty six points uh but it was only fifty nine points of offense uh i think you know not that that we're we're splitting hairs here. Uh, But I think I see 49 points in this one, uh, hold Stanford to 21, uh, which means three touchdown drives. I debated something like 17 or maybe 24 or something like that. Um, I like Stanford to have three touchdown drives, but like not that much after that. Um, So in other words, they're not going to, you know, get field goal drives. They're going to, go down there and score three times maybe one of those is in garbage time or something like that
2: but. see and normally I pick a weird score and say don't ask me how they get there I like that 20 though because Stanford has uh, the the uh, best kicker returning in the uh, in the pack-12 um, all pack12 kicker so I think that they will move the ball on USC's defense and have to settle for a few field goals so.
1: all right there you go 55 20 says Alicia. 4921 says I. Uh, All right, let's get to the mailbag, shall we? Lisa, you know the only good thing about football season being over?
2: There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the ball.
1: See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait.
2: That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty
1: awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only
2: thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins.
1: Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn ten bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, prize lets you get on the action on more than thirty states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That
2: sounds pretty good to me.
1: Yeah, download the app today. Use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars.
2: That's the prize app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up, up to one hundred
1: dollars. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. You've got mail. All right, let's start with a message that we got uh, from our pal L.A. Fred over on Discord. Uh, L.A. Fred says, after two games and as the Trojans move into conference play, what is something you're most certain about, something you're the least certain about, and something you're curious about? Let's uh, let's start with the uh, most certain about. What are you most certain about about this USC team?
2: I am most certain about the offense being uh, among the best in the country, if not the best in the country. Mm-hmm. I am most certain about USC's reigning Heisman winner, maintaining his stature
1: sure. as a Heisman yeah. winner. I I think that has to be it. I think it, I'm most certain that Caleb Williams is the best USC quarterback we've ever seen in our life uh, and will continue to be as long as he remains healthy and stays at SC and all those things, uh, there is zero concern about the man. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't think you could ever say this about it. Like you Leinart, I think was the same way. There there was just no concern about him at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, towards the end of the Palmer, you know, seasons, uh, his, his Heisman winning season. I think you could say that, but, you couldn't say that about Darnold even mm-hmm. because even though Darnold was someone who could make miraculous plays and you felt confident that he was going to win you a game, he was also prone to turnovers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Caleb Williams is not turning the ball over. Um He's had, yeah, a couple of fumbled snaps, but like he's how much of that is fumbles on
2: into touchdowns. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Like he's lost as many, um, fumbled snaps as he's turned fumble snaps into touchdowns this year, which is bananas. So, uh, yeah. Uh, what, what's something you're the least certain about with, with, with SC?
2: I'm going to agree with cigar in the chat. Um, anything defense related. Uh, I am very uncertain about the defense. Uh, I'm more certain about the talent level being better yeah. after seeing it but I'm very uncertain about the defense being capable of getting the stops that USC needs them to be capable of getting Mm -hmm. against the teams on the schedule that USC needs them to be capable of getting those stops against. That was a bunch of word salad, but the the long and short of it is I am very uncertain about this defense against Mm -hmm. Sam Hartman, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Cam Rising. And anybody else that USC sees beyond that. Uh so yeah. yeah. I I wish I was more certain about that. I am not. And I will not be for several weeks because we will not know.
1: Yeah, I I I think SC can beat anybody in the country uh, on their day as long as the offense continues to score. The problem is they have they might have to do that on literally every drive because yeah. you can't say that about the defense yet yeah um and yeah i'm the least bit certain that they can continue to do this against an experienced quarterback and maybe i'm reading too much into the chevin cordero thing i could be it's early it's easy to read too much into the early games right Mm -hmm. um but i think the the difference between cordero and brendan lewis in those first two games was that cordero played like an experienced guy who has been in college football for five or six years
2: Mm -hmm. composure
1: and had was composed and just didn't make mistakes Mm -hmm. he didn't make a lot of great plays but he didn't make mistakes Mm -hmm. um and sc is going to play a ton of quarterbacks who are experienced coming up um ashton daniels is not one of those guys so i think sc can sort of overwhelm him with pressure and force him into mistakes that way um but
2: usc is also going to play a bunch of quarterbacks who can hit NFL level throws Mm -hmm. and put the ball up for receivers who are better than any receiver that USC has played so far. Right. Who will be capable of winning one-on-one battles at a rate that USC has not had to deal with yet so far. So yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a lot for this defense to
1: still prove. Yeah. Uh, All right. The last part of LA Fred's message is what is something that you're curious about, about the Trojans?
2: Um, I'm curious about, um, uh, I'm curious about whether or not the defensive line can be the difference Mm -hmm. when it comes down to it. I'm really excited about Bear Alexander. I'm really excited about that defensive front. I'm curious if all of the other ills go away because of that.
1: I I think that that's a good spot to be at. I'm going to go the other side of the defense. I'm curious what happens with the rotation, the defensive backfield. I'm curious if Damani Jackson is sort of susceptible to maybe losing his job. If he gets beaten a couple more times, or if last week ends up being a moment where it was a learning opportunity for him and he bounces back big. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to see how Demonte Jackson continues to go and how the rest of the rotation kind of fares back there, because it, I think it's easy to focus on the defensive line because the defensive line is almost more fun mm-hmm. uh, to to watch um, just because they're the first line of defense and it's more glaring to, to sort of, uh, well, the, well, the mistakes in the secondary are more memorable, but the, the impacts of the, of the sec of the, the, front seven, you definitely remember. So, um, yeah, let's go to the mailbag that we got here in YouTube. Uh, we got a bunch of questions. Let's run through these sort of rapid fire. Uh, Murdy says, uh, what are we going to do next week when we have a bye?" Uh, sit back, relax and watch the rest of college football. Yeah, I I think so. Uh, it'll be, it'll be kind of nice to have an early season, um, Bye week. I, I I haven't looked at the schedule yet, but I'm sure there will be good games uh, programming note. We will not have a preview episode next week because it is the bye week So there will be, n- will be no Wednesday episode next week. The other programming note, we meant to say this earlier, we have made a change. We have made a change. I feel like, uh like Trevor Denman at the, at the track. Uh, we have a rider change on all number two. Um, that's a terrible South African accent. <laughs> <Awful>. <laughs> um, it's more shepherd than Denman. But anyways, um, <laughs> the, the point is, um, the car cast on Saturday, we've talked about it for home games being two hours after home games, since it is a seven thirty game, we are calling an audible, the car casts will happen about, uh, 10, 15 minutes or so. After the game, we're going to see what the the time is that makes sense. Um, AKA I'm not going to the game on Saturday. We're um, we're going to both uh, watch it from the studio and go from there uh, because it's a 7:30 game. We, uh, we don't want to start a car cast going live well after midnight um and if it ends up that we have sort of the same traffic as as before i don't know maybe that changes but yeah. uh we're, we're going to sort of wait and see uh if if there's negative people because we lose out on the people who were at the game i think that will change things how we go forward too but we're yeah. going s- to see how it goes uh so saturday night a little bit after the game game ends go pee get your go grab a drink grab a banana Some ice cream, whatever you need, and then come back and and watch the, uh, watch the car cast. That's the plan on Saturday night.
2: For the record, USC picked a bye week on the, possibly the worst weekend Uh slate of the college football season. Um, Washington, Michigan state is probably the best game of the day. Uh, Colorado, Colorado state could be real fun. As a Pac-12 after dark kind of uh, sure kind of outing at seven, but uh, but yeah, not a not a great not a great slate.
1: Yeah, I I just looked it up and Chelsea plays on Sunday. Well, that doesn't help. Yeah, Yeah. so they don't they don't they don't even help. Uh, All right, Georgia Uh,
2: Southern, Wisconsin. Let's see uh, Clay Hilton's boys get after Matt
1: Rule and company.
2: Not Matt Rule luke fickle and company yeah
1: i get those. Luke, luke fickle <laughs> yeah. uh cameron says what are your top five greatest moments of the stanford rivalry i think we went over that earlier yeah. i think it's hard to to say the, the the top moments but i i i think the the top memorable moments are the yeah the 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 game in 20, 2013 2011 and then um the twelve championship games I, I think those have to be the for the top moment. If you're a Stanford fan, you're going to say the what's your deal in, in the 2007 game. Um, But yeah, that's where I'd go. Any thoughts before we move on?
2: Uh, Big ups to Mr. Andrew. 2,800 in the chat. Oh, the super chat.
1: Awesome. Cheers. Thank, fight on. Thank you, Mr. A- Mr. Andrew, 2,800.
2: Yeah. I bungled t- 2,800.
1: <laughs> it might be Andrew luck, you know, Uh, It might be Andrew Luck. We're talking about Stanford, Mr. Andrew. (laughs) uh, Mr. Andrew twenty eight hundred says, "Keep up the great work, guys." East Coast USC fan Uh, and comes in with a super chat. Thank you. Um, So so we. It's not Andrew Luck then.
2: Sorry, Mr. Andrew, for the upcoming uh, late night kick.
1: Yes, (laughs) Uh, but we'll forgive you if you are not here for the car cast. But the car cast is going to be a little bit er earlier. That's true. It won't be terrible. Andrew might be able to join us. That's that's the that's the uh, important part there. Um, all right. Uh, let's go to Johnny's uh, question, which is, can the defense keep the momentum or better against Stanford?
2: Yes. Um, that should be the expectation. And, and I don't, I don't, we can't keep grading the defense on a curve. They've had two weeks to get the rust off, to figure out what they're doing. There should be no steps back from here. Every step has to be a step forward. Every game has to be an improvement. If it's not, you're going to run into so much trouble when you get to Colorado, when you get to Notre Dame, when you get to Utah, et cetera. There has to be improvement and growth every week. You cannot take steps back. Yeah, Do not accept a step back against Stanford. This The Stanford offense is... Bottom half of the Pac-12 at best. It's probably bottom fourth of the Pac-12.
1: Bottom third, yeah.
2: Yeah, so treat it as such.
1: Bottom fourth is even more damning. Yeah, than bottom third, uh, yeah. I,
2: which sucks for Stanford because it's like the top half of the Pac-12 mm-hmm. is top fifteen offenses. Uh, so right,
1: like, it, it's a it's a bad year to be in yeah. the bottom half of <laughs> of the of the Pac-12. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, it's not a bad year to be in the bottom half. It's a bad year to be in the bottom yeah quarter there you go yeah um but I, I think the the fairest way to look at it for stanford is this is just too early for troy taylor i think that troy taylor might have be able to put something together that's interesting in a year or two um but they're going to be like duke's problem by then um sc is not going to be able to sort of see those teams mm-hmm. um uh Jurassic is someone who's really good at tight end so mm-hmm. like you know if he ends up looking like dalton Kincaid in this game uh, that could be Stanford's, you know, yes. ace in the hole, but. but,
2: but if he looks like Dalton Kincaid in this game, going in, knowing when you're doing your Stanford scouting report, there is one name at the top of the list yeah. of players who can hurt you. And if USC does their scouting mm-hmm. and can't figure out how to stop, uh, your ASIC, what are they going to do when they get to anybody else in the back half of the schedule yeah. with better receivers, yeah. with, you know, t- t- Brant Keithy is coming up. I mean, theoretically, he still needs to get cleared from injury, but Brant Keithy is coming up. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to deal with him.
1: Yeah. And
2: Urasik is your uh, assic is your uh, not your, just
1: tight ends either. Yeah, receiver. Uh, look o- at Odunze. O- Washington's coming. receiving yeah.
2: core is is going to be a problem. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you got to You got to get this all sorted out now because you won't be able to live with it later.
1: Yeah, for for, for sure, hundred percent. Um, Ram Murdy says, do you expect a sellout for Saturday's game? I yes. don't expect a sellout per se. Uh, by the way, I I have not looked at the um in the media guide. I should probably look. What is the capacity of the Coliseum right now? Mm. Because it was seventy but. They they, they added, they put in those tarps. I think that probably lowers it to maybe low seventies. So I think it's possible that FC gets in the high sixties for this game. Uh, you know, one of, one of my friends Mm -hmm. commented to me the other day that was going to buy tickets and the cheap $13 tickets for Nevada were not there, uh, online for the Stanford game. So, um, It should be a little bit more of a, of a crowd. Absolutely. Um, it's a night game in September, which people sort of clamor for, even though people also don't like night games, but, um, yeah, I I don't know that it'll be a sellout, but I think there'll be a step forward in, in at least five more thousand.
2: My thinking is that Stanford fans will treat this the way that, um, USC fans were, you know, treating the trip to Autzen and, and mm-hmm. all that. It's the last time you're going to be coming to the Coliseum. I think there will be a lot of Stanford fans there.
1: Of the first three home games, I think there will be more Stanford fans than San Jose State, Nevada people. Absolutely.
2: Yes. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, Stanford yeah, isn't I, is a school that travels a ton, but I think that no, they but will travel more for this. Than, this this than other will be things.
2: a bigger deal. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I think it. Yeah. Again, I'm not going to make excuses for USC fans this should be a sellout. It should be. It, it, that does the I think every game should
1: be a sellout though. Yeah. But yes, uh, Wendy in the chat says, good to see you too. Good to see you too, Wendy. Uh, will you be attending home games this year? Uh, I am attending home games. Alicia is not because she's covering uh, the college football world at large for fans on, on every game day. Uh, but as we were just talking a couple minutes ago, um, we, I am, I'm punting on, saturday's game in order to see what we can do about having the car cast out sooner live on youtube so mm-hmm. uh we're gonna see how that goes um and and play it out um because it's a seven thirty kick um as we get closer to the other big games that will probably not be the case but all right uh let's go to a question from Kenny, uh, two of the last four times USC has been in the top 10, Stanford has upset them and crashed the hype train. Any fear of that happening again in a rivalry game?
2: No, because USC has never had an offense that was this reliably powerful. Mm -hmm. It would take a broken finger, (laughs) knock on wood, uh, for an an upset to happen.
1: Uh, Ashton Daniels, I don't know if you noticed. Where's the same a little nick- bit like a... where's the same number as mm. the Vita Pritchard
2: mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah,, yeah, yeah, no, but absolutely not,
1: no, yeah, i worst case scenario, this ends up into like a shootout or something like that, but I think the s c s offense is so good that they're not going to get in a game where there's a funk like that,
2: yeah
1: uh, I think they could get in a game like they could get into a game like that, but Stanford isn't the opponent that that would happen against. Um, Ram Murray says, would we ever consider non-conference games against Stanford or Cal in the years to come? I think it's a very think, yeah. possible scenario. Um, but then it comes down to, if you're playing nine big 10 games and you're playing Notre Dame every year, that's 10 of 12 games. You want your other two games to probably be home games. That means you probably want to keep playing mountain West schools. Right, like I, I don't yeah. know uh, that you also still want to go to Stanford and Cal on top of that. SC has not played a true road game um, in the in against a Power Five team since Texas in 2018. Yes, well, I guess BYU and BYU wasn't a Power Five team, but, but yeah. this is
2: this is the philosophical question. If we're talking pure gamesmanship, you don't schedule them because. They're more difficult than you ever need to keep scheduling Nevada, keep scheduling yeah. you know, Rice, UNLV, San Jose State, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But USC is also a sentimental school and has been a sentimental um, scheduler. I think that there will be enough drive in the – I guess it's a push and pull of – does Lincoln Riley allow USC to be sentimental or does he put Cause if I'm Lincoln Riley, I put my foot down and say, absolutely not. I want to, I, 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 I need two games to yeah. ramp up, um,
1: against. Yeah. You, know, you, you play, you know, the schedule's tough enough UNLV and San Jose state again or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like sentimental value is doesn't exist in college football anymore. Uh, look at all the look at all the great rivalries in college football that have been taken away um almost none of them have come back in the non-con um funny on mc is when is the depth chart put out i think it's wednesday nights uh last week it was wednesday night i have uh, maybe thursday
2: i have a theory um i don't think they're gonna update the depth chart again (laughs)
1: They might not. I, they might not know. I, that I think the the, the Relique
2: Brown thing caused enough of a, of a ruckus. I do not think they're going to be updating that thing. Yeah. I, 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 based on when they did it last week, it would have already been done by now. Yeah. Um. So no,
1: <laughs> no, yeah. I
2: do not think that's going to be a thing. Um.
1: By the way, another big shout out to Manford. Manford with the super chat. A big. Big ups as we awkwardly drink our water here. A big mm-hmm. cheers. No, well, I'm drinking coffee, but yeah, water's better than coffee, of course. Uh, but thank you, Manford says. Do you guys have any advice for the Colorado game? Best way to get there? Where to stay? I think the best place to stay is somewhere in Boulder or between Boulder and Denver. Um, if you've never been to Colorado, Boulder is about a thirty-five-ish minute uh, drive from. Denver Northwest, but the Denver airport is about like a t- half hour Northeast drive from Denver too. So like, if you are not going to Denver proper, you can take like a, I think there's a toll road. There's like another uh, highway that you can take f- basically from the airport directly to Denver. I don't remember exactly off the top of my head. Um, you can, you can do that way and stay near the airport, but it's, it's a far drive. It's a far drive. Um, I think you want, ideally you want to stay between Boulder and Denver um, unless you're going to go South, maybe like golden or something like that would be interesting. Golden is nice because it's where the course plant is, um, which, and that's only like maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes South of, of Boulder, just do South, uh, do West of Denver. So that might be a spot to, uh, to, to go stay. Um, you want to go to Pearl Street? Pearl Street is the street in Boulder that has, it's their like downtown area. It's, Boulder is a lot like Berkeley. Same vibes, by the way. Great vibes. Uh, but uh,
2: I loved, I loved being in Boulder. It's just a cool, cool place.
1: Yeah. It's a very beautiful. It's like artsy, granola-y, and um, collegey at the same time, mm-hmm. all those things, which feels like Boulder. I mean, which feels like Berkeley as well. So, um, yeah. But my my best advice is to get there early because it's a it's a nice campus to walk around, and definitely go go down Pearl Street for sure. Um, and then yeah, a million places to 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 stay. Wendy in the chat says stay closer to Boulder, much more reasonable rates at hotels. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. Stay closer to Boulder than say Denver and it's a yeah. Not the easiest drive after. Um all right, let's go to a, a email that we got from uh Tony and Denora PA. Uh Tony says, Michael and Alicia, this is Tony from Denora PA. Uh Michael, being an amateur Negro League historian. I would say that is a Chicago Americans giants hat that you were wearing on Monday, right or wrong. Uh, it's a cool hat. Um, I got bad news for you, Tony. It was not, I wish it was, I wore a angels cap, just like a black and white angels, California angels cap. Now if you're watching on YouTube, I'm like holding up the cap that I wore the other day. Um, Compare that to the Chicago American Giants cap, which I'm just throwing up now. It does look similar. I
2: I get exactly why he got them mixed up because it's, it's almost the same logo, except you sort of squish the C and the A more for the, uh, the, the, the Giants one. So, and it's, it's got, it's got the C and the A and they're interlocking and yeah, I see it. That's a cool hat too.
1: Yeah. I, I really, really enjoy um, the logos um, from the Negro league teams. I think they look awesome. The Kansas city monarchs have so many cool different logos. Uh, they're in the game now in, in MLB the show. Uh, so many of the old players and the old teams are in the logo are in, in the game. Now and it's f- super fun to play with those guys. Um john donaldson amazing pitcher of course satchel page uh reuben foster rube foster uh you know so many so many great players are uh buck o'neill uh great to play with but um yeah the chicago american giants high on my list of, of hats to get by the way great great logo um let's wrap this up with a uh question we got from cigar castillo and alicia debating on mac and cheese or hot pockets for dinner what do you got
2: I legitimately want to make mac and cheese for dinner. I, I decided this be- right. before we started recording. I was like, I'm kind of craving mac and cheese. So legitimately, uh, yes. Unfortunately, we don't have any hot pockets in the freezer, but don't mac and cheese. Don't doubt for a second that I was that I, when I was at Costco the other day, that I wasn't walking down the frozen food aisle and yeah. saw the hot pockets and thought, should I get hot pockets?
1: Should I? <laughs> Four, four, four cheese pizza. By the way, yeah. that's the move. Yeah,
2: so or uh, yes, I uh,
1: cheddar and broccoli.
2: Michael has the palate of a nine-year-old,
1: and you have one of like a six-year-old.
2: I have the preference of a six-year-old.
1: <laughs> Flip that, please.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. I would eat. I I, I, I have been a mac and cheese girl. Since I was little, I've never grown out of it. Craft mac and cheese, all the way.
1: We did have pancakes the other night, by the way.
2: I made pancakes for lunch today.
1: So. You did that too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I am very, I am very much a full-grown adult who yeah. has, uh, who love to see consults the food pyramid. Yeah. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4:55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
0: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense.
2: Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.